Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. Today, John David Mull shares with us God's word from Genesis 4 and that we all have an I, me, my problem. And our song today talks about how we deal with that problem using the words from Psalm 86 in a psalm that I wrote. But first, John David Mull. I remember being about 11 years old uh, in our church, and uh, I was sitting up in the balcony because my mom was singing in the choir, uh, and I decided on that particular Sunday that I was too big to come up for the children's message, uh, and so I stayed up there, and my cousin was there with me, same age, and we both you know, confirmed for each other that we were, we were too big for that now. And then, I don't remember what the children's message was, but I remember at the end of it, she started passing out candy. <laughs> and my cousin and I walked down the stairs and just walked right down the aisle and went and got our candy. And the whole church laughed. <laughs> it kind of fits in because uh, this text that we're looking at today is about a problem that many of us had and Cain definitely had, and it's an I, me, my problem. A lot of us have a pretty bad I, me, my problem. And I may be the worst of sinners. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love, your grace, your peace. I thank you that you pour it upon us. We pray, Lord, that you would do it again today. I pray, Lord, that you would let your spirit move in this place. That you would remove distraction from our hearts and our minds that we might receive from you. That we would be reminded what our Savior Jesus does, has done for us. More than reminded that we would receive it again. Fill us full with your love, Lord. Call us for change in our lives and make us willing to respond in faith. I pray, Lord, that the words that I speak would be yours. They would reveal your truth and your grace. And if I start speaking things that are not true, I pray, Lord, you would shut me up and move me aside. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I was in Cleveland this week. Uh, I've, I help out with an uh, organization called PLI. Uh, there was a group from PLI here in our church at the same time. Uh, and, and what PLI does is it helps uh, church leaders and churches in general to learn how to think differently and become missional. And so uh, Stephanie and I helped lead a lot of those, and I was in Cleveland leading one of those. And uh, one of the things that's great about those immersions is just the time where you're not teaching. It's lunch and then dinner where you just get together with all these people and you're talking about what God's up to. And then in the evenings, we would get together in the hotel in the lobby, and there may have been wine, uh, and we would play some games and just talk and laugh. And we were playing this one game that I immediately bought uh, because it was so fun. Uh, it's something like, uh, it's called, uh, we didn't field test this. I think that's what the game's called. It's something like that. And it's another card game like exploding kittens. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. Well, this one's great. You get these cards, you play them at different times. We were in this one round and it said that somebody played a card and it said, if anyone points at anyone or anything for the rest of this game, they lose. And then the next card that came down said, if anyone uses the words I, me, or my, they lose. And I thought, I've already lost. I have a real I, me, my problem. I like to say I, me, my. So I chose to be smart. I sat on my hands so that I could not point 
And then I chose to not speak. And I won. <laughs> I won because I was silent. And it was the longest I've ever gone silent. I think it was like 35 seconds. I mean straight, without saying a word. It was hard, right? And I won because something else happened, and it made only two of us left. And the other girl who was left, he said, it's just me and you. See, I have a I, me, my problem. I figured out my I, me, my problem the other day. I, I, I've always said I have trouble remembering names. Anybody else? Okay. John David. Uh, Here's what I discovered about myself, though, about having trouble remembering names. One of the reasons I struggle with remembering names is I'm so worried that you get my name right. Right? Those of you who've been to a golf course, have you ever gone to the golf course and you've been a twosome and they team you up with another twosome that you haven't met yet? Well, here's what happens when you're a twosome and they give another twosome and they're already on the tee box and you walk up. You got to go up and uh, say, Joel is with me. Joel's going to go up. He's going to go, hey, it's good to be playing with you. I'm Joel. That person who receives the handshake says, Joel. They repeat it. So he, he said, hey, I'm Joel. They would say, Joel. And they would say, I'm Tim. And then Joel would say, good to meet you, Tim. Right? And then Joel would go, all right, uh, Joel. And that guy would go, Joel. I'm Frank, good to meet you. And he'd go, Frank, good to meet you. And then I will go, and uh, I would go, John David, and they'll go, John. Every time. Everybody just knocked out. They repeated exactly what the other person said to them. But when I come up and I say, John David, they'll say, John. And it frustrates me, because it's not my name. Right? It would like be calling Zach, Zuh. So what I do when I go up and I'm going to meet someone for the first time, I've learned this. If I don't correct them right at the beginning, then I will be John in their mind forever. And I got to play 18 holes as John. And I can't stand it. So when I go up, I know this is going to happen. And they go, hey, I'm 10. I say, good to meet you, 10. I'm John David. And then they say, John. And then I quickly go, no, 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 John David. It's both of them together. And they go, oh, okay. And then you know what has happened? I forgot his name. (laughs) Because I was so worried he gets my name right. Why? Because I have a serious I, me, my problem. Cain had an I, me, my problem. That's what's going on in our text. In our text, uh, oftentimes when you see preachers preach on this text, uh, they get into the offering, the first fruits kind of thing. And that is in this text. It's there, right? Uh, you have, this is uh, Genesis chapter 4. Uh, you have Cain born right at the beginning of it. It says in our text, it's right after Genesis 3 with the fall of man. Now in Genesis 4, they are cast out of the garden. It says that Adam and Eve come together and, uh, and they're blessed with the son. And whenever, uh, whenever Cain comes, Mary's words are, I've, I've received, I've gotten a man. I've gotten a man. And there are many theologians, Luther included, who think whenever she says that, she is thinking and hoping that this man is the one that Jesus, that God just promised before this, right? Because whenever they're being cast out of the garden and he says to the woman that you're going to have pain and childbirth and all this kind of stuff, but then at the end of it he says that, but one of your offspring, one of the offspring of this woman is going to crush the head of Satan, 
right? And they've been cast out of the garden, and, and she has a man, and she's thinking, maybe this is the one, right? And maybe that's part of the reason that Cain had an I, me, my problem as he grew up. You know, maybe Eve the whole time is going, you're going to be the one. You're the one who's going to end all this. You're going to save us from all this. And so Cain grows up with a bit of an I, me, my problem. And when it comes to uh, living and working off the land, right, Cain's got his gig, he's a farmer, and he's got a little brother, Abel, who's taking care of the, the livestock, right? And uh, it, the text doesn't say that they were told to bring an offering to the Lord, but they did. So either God told them that, and we didn't see that in the text, or they're just doing it like, we should do this. And Abel brings his, and Cain brings his, and it doesn't say Cain brings a bad offering, doesn't say that at all. It just says he brought from his harvest. After the harvest was over, he brought forth. And it says that uh, Abel, he brings the very best, the first one, the firstborn of his, his livestock. He's bringing it to God. He's acting out in faith. Why? Because Cain is bringing stuff from his abundance and Abel is bringing the first that he has with faith that God will continue to provide. And so usually preachers, we focus in on that. And that is part of our text. And it's something that we need to pay attention to because one of the I, me, my problems that I have and you probably have too is when it comes to a thing that has an S with two big lines through it like that. That's a place that we struggle with, I, me, my, isn't it? Right? I do. And so we often focus on that text. And it would make sense to focus on that text because later today we're going to present to you uh, a renovation for this whole building, right? And, uh, and eventually you know what that's going to mean. We're going to say, hey, those things that you have with an S and lines through them, we'd think like you to think about that. So that would be a great text for me to talk about, but that's not, I think, what God wants us to talk about today. God wants us to talk about just the general I, me, my problem that we have. And what we see in the force of the text that we read today, the focus isn't on the offering. The focus is on the conversations between Cain and God. And so in those conversations, you see some pretty tough things, right? After, after uh, the, the offerings are brought and the Lord accepts Abel's and he just kind of ignores Cain's and we don't have all the reason why except for we think uh, because Abel was giving out of faith and Cain was giving out of his abundance. But what happens to Cain, it says his face fell. Right? He got angry. He was upset. And so God speaks to him. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Sin is crouching at the door. In 1 Peter, it goes a little further and tells us Satan prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I think his greatest tool is I, me, my. And that's what he worked on Cain. I, me, my. And so Cain got angry. And God told him, fight against that anger. Anger is not going to take you where you want it to go. And the next scene we have is that Cain talks to his brother Abel, says, let's go out in the field. And then he kills his brother Abel, the first murder in mankind's history. And so God comes to him and he says, to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? 
Does that sound like something? Just a chapter before, after man had sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, and God comes and he says, what? Where are you? And now he's saying, where is Abel your brother? Do you know what God's doing in that text? Where he says, where is Abel your brother? You know what God is doing? Do you think God doesn't know where Abel is? The sovereign God of the universe? Do you not know? He knows exactly where Abel is. He knows that Abel has been killed. Matter of fact, he tells us just after that, his blood is crying out to me. He knows where he is. But he wants to give Cain the opportunity to repent. He wants to give Cain the opportunity to say, I messed up. I am sorry. This is awful. I can't believe what I've done and I can't take it back. You're my only hope, Lord. Please forgive me. But Cain doesn't do that. Cain has a major I-me-my problem. He says, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Keeper here in, uh, in the Hebrew is the word shamar. All right, did you get that? Hebrew's coming up soon, Zach. The word shamar is the word keeper. And, and what it means is like uh, to guard over, to care for. And he's saying, am I my brother's keeper? It's the same word that we see here in Psalm 121.5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. He is the one who cares for you. It's the same in the great benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you, care for you, love you, be cared for. And what our, our friend Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to take care of him? I, 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 I. And what he's saying in that same text is, I want to be free. I want to be free to manage my own life. I want to be in control. And that's the I, me, my problem. I want to be in control. And what he's saying when he's, he's saying, I, am I my brother's keeper? He's also saying, God, I don't want you to be my keeper either. I want to be my keeper. I want to take care of me. I want to be in charge. I. And whether or not we want to, we do the same thing time and time and time again. A great definition of sin is I turn in on myself. I look to myself for the answers. I take care of it. I am in charge. And that's what Cain is doing here. And so Cain doesn't repent. Does God smite him? Feels like that's what he should have done, isn't it? Wouldn't it have been best if he'd have just gone... But instead, he just casts him from his presence. When God casts someone from their presence, I truly believe we see it in the New Testament. Matter of fact, we've heard this word excommunication. You know that word? It sounds like a horrible, evil word. But really, the way God presents excommunication in the New Testament, the way he presents, there are times when the church 
it has to tell someone you are lost in your sin and you are unrepentant and you are apart from God right now and therefore don't come to communion, don't come to receive these things because we are, we are so scared for your eternal soul. See, excommunication is meant to be something that lets someone see their I, me, my problem in a new way to see their sin and to see their desperate need for salvation that can only come from God. It's meant to be something that's calling you out of your sin, to receive you back in. It's not something that's fun to do. It's not something that our church ever wants to do, but sometimes you have to step up and do. And that's what God's doing in this moment with Cain. Cain is unrepentant. When he's given the opportunity to say, I'm sorry, and he said, he says, am I my brother's keeper? I want to be in control. And so God says, go be in control. Go be in control, but not here. You're going to have to get away from me because you just told me you don't want me to be my, your keeper. So go. Get away. And now Cain feels the real fear because he says, if I go like this, and they know that I've been separated from you and that I've killed my brother Abel, they're going to kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. He put a mark on him. Oftentimes we think of that mark as a mean thing that he's done to him. But really that's a grace thing, right? God's given that mark to him so that he won't be killed. Why? Because he's been excommunicated from God's presence. What is the hope that we can see out of the character of God throughout his word? The, the hope is that Cain will repent. And so he's given him grace to go out in the world and be in control of himself and find that it's not going to work so that he can come back and repent. He does the same thing with us. Do you have a mark? I, I kind of like tattoos. Oftentimes, there have been several different times in my life I thought I'd like to get a tattoo. Uh, but then this other thing creeps in my mind. There are so many things that I used to really like that I don't like anymore. And I have a definite fear of putting something on my body and then not being able to get it off. You know what I mean? Uh, whenever, I, uh, whenever I was a youth minister, one of my youth, he was a, kind of a wild kid, did all sorts of crazy stuff. But after he graduated high school, he went to the Marines. And when he came back from uh, his basic training, he had this gigantic, he couldn't wait to show me. His whole back was tattooed, massive. And it said real big, only God can judge me. Right? He was so proud of it. And all I could think is, that's an I, me, my problem. And then I also thought, that's one of the tattoos you're going to regret. It's like the one that's no regrets. <laughs> you know? That one you're not going to like one day. It's like the guy or, or the woman who gets the dolphin on her belly and she's young. And then she gets pregnant and it's a beluga. 
you know. I like tattoos. If I could ever figure out one that I just really wanted to go for, I would do it. I don't, I don't have a problem with tattoos. I don't think we should have a problem with tattoos. Uh, matter of fact, a lot of them are really cool. Uh, but there's a lot of them that are out there that are just pointing at I, me, my. And that's a serious problem, right? And Cain's mark was marking him as one who has a serious problem with I, me, my. That's what he's getting across. God wanted him back. And we don't have any history that says Cain came back. It's a terrible and awful thing. And yet God has reached out to us. He has loved on us. He has given us the answer to our I, me, my problem. He has given it to us in the Lamb who was slain. He's given it to us in Jesus Christ who came into this world and lived and suffered and died and rose for us to save us from I, me, my. And I love this text from Revelation. I want you to read it with me. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits God sent out into all the earth. This text is telling us about Jesus. It's telling us about Jesus coming back in his glory. Jesus, who's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And it's letting us know that Jesus Christ resurrected, Jesus Christ made whole, bears marks for you and for me. He still bears them. The only one in the new creation. When God returns, when Jesus comes back and all things are made right and you are given a new body that will never hurt again where all of these scars that I have on my body are gone only one will maintain scars our savior is marked for eternity with a love song to you to tell you you're a child of God you're a brother of Christ he is overcome for you there is no I me or my that you have committed in this life that will separate you from his love he has overcome it and he will hold those scars forever, proclaiming his love for you. And now he says, you are free. You are free from sin and sickness and shame and grief. You don't need to hang on to it anymore. And what is before you is the resurrection, and it's going to be awesome. And you are free to serve this God, free to share his name, free to love him, free to look at him and say, God, I love that you are my keeper. I love that you keep me in your love through the gift of your Son. Let me serve you today. And so he invites you to bring your I, your me, and your my to the cross today. He invites you to bring it there and offer it to him because Christ has already taken it. The scars declare it. And he says, what I have for you is forgiveness. I will make you whole. And I will send you out into the world to live for me as my free child. But know this, I will keep you. I will guard over you. And I will remind you again and again that you are loved. Heavenly Father, 
I have an eye problem, and it's not just with my vision. I have a me problem, and I have a my problem. Lord, I have time and again chased after the things that I want instead of living for you. Lord, I have time and again given away the opportunities that you have given me to share your love with others because I wanted to serve me. For Jesus' sake, would you forgive me? If this is your confession, then say, please forgive me, Lord. Change us, Lord. Change us and remind us that you love us, that you sent your son to save us. We are yours. Your Holy Spirit dwells in us and you, Lord, are our keeper, the one who protects and guards us because we are your children. Thank you for this gift, Lord, and move in us that we would live for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Listen, Lord, and answer me, for I am miserable and poor. Protect me, for I am someone you love. Save your servant who is trusting you. Have mercy on me, Lord, because I call on you. Give me joy from above. I cry and hear my plea, I call on you because you'll answer me. There's no other like you, Lord, and no accomplishment like yours. All the nations will come and honor your
Oh